Space. The final frontier. Well, okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. All right, we're back on the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network with a cavalcade of stars. Uh, this is the Code 47 podcast, episode 105. I am your Trek Lord of West Michigan, Charlie Carden, coming at you with four of uh, the four members of my crew. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking a little bit about Strange New Worlds and some great news in our first segment. But let's go around the horn. We have the fantastic, super pink haired, fresh from Barbie. The fantastic Kay. How are you this evening? I am doing fantastic. I love it. My regular sideman uh, for the last 30 years and my co-founder of the Secret Friends Unite podcast, who I am glad to have on board, the fantastic Todd Oxtra. How are you? Wonderful. It's always good to join uh, talking about Trek with awesome people. Excellent. And we have spinning around in her chair for some reason, uh, my Trekker from Chicago, Jen Watson. How are you tonight? I'm good. How are you guys? <laughs> Doing good. And my other other side man who loves to talk enterprise with me, my regular steady Eddie, saver of the show, Peter Stein on the bottom. How are you, sir? Hey, everybody. Doing good. Excellent. Peter, you sound a little soft. Turn yourself up. No. No. <laughs> That's well, you did tell him that he was the side side piece. So oh, well, side piece. Was, I was what say, most? I was going to say yes. You know, remember what? Remember what? Uh, Peter on the Family Guy said. You knew what this was. Oh, but anyway. Um. So we'll talk very briefly about a couple of news features before we jump in to talking about uh, the two most recent episodes of Strange New Worlds. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con, the little independent Comic-Con, the Comic-Con that was, was uh, happened this past weekend, and we had three pretty significant pieces of Star Trek news. But before I talk about that, want to give some proper love and credence to the folks that make our Patreon possible. About six, about a, uh, almost golly, uh, over six months now, we've been producing great content over at Patreon dot com slash secret friends unite and we want to give love and respect to the folks that make that possible i am talking about uh on our bffs level sean stella and henry nias the nias family your friend and mine missy merchant and her pal andy milliken and jamie prinky so uh visit please patreon.com slash secret friends unite uh and you can try us out for a week for free Check out our great content. We've got a lot of fun stuff over there, and we would love it if you would stay on board with us. So anyway, there goes the commercialism, and we'll get into talking about some Star Trek. Uh, so guys, we have three stories. Um, we'll kind of lump them all together because I know that we've, we're all really well-versed. We got a great five-minute uh, sample of what we can expect in Season 5 of Star Trek Discovery early next year. Uh, we got a w awesome trailer for Lower Decks, which we're going to see on September 7th. And we got the news that in probably episode nine, just a couple of weeks from now, uh, of Strange New Worlds, we will get Star Trek's first ever musical episode. Oh my gosh. Well, I don't need to ask Todd which piece of news excites him the most. So I'm going to start with Kay. What, what's the winner for you out of these three, three great bits? I mean, 
I'm going to be honest, probably the musical episode. This just gave me kind of the once more with feeling vibes from Buffy, um, where I cannot wait. I mean, we did see the um, little montage that in the uh, Star Trek files or whatever it was called, where um, Una and Spock sang together in yeah. the lift when they were stuck. So I I know that I'm just going to have the entire soundtrack of this episode. <laughs> I mean, because the other stuff I like, I knew it was coming. Like, I know we're going to get season five of Discovery. I know we're going to get, you know, the next season of uh, of Lower Decks. And I'm excited about those things. But a musical episode, this is going to be like the fantasy episode of season one. And I am so here for it. Oh, I love it. Good deal. Todd, you're a very big musical guy. It's it's kind of your bread and butter. So you've been talking about this for, for decades. So... I mean, is it too big to fail? I mean, is it going to meet your expectations? I mean, be truthful. Well, I looked at who actually did the writing for this. So, uh, Kay Hanley, Letters Cleo, that's a band. Oh. They make music. Um, Tom Pulse, Letters Cleo, also part of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend's a phenomenal show. Great <laughs> songs and knows how to put it in a TV context. I love musical episodes. I think it's one of the greatest things in the world. Uh, there have been, you know, the, the 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 level of excellence is varies, but I mean, I just love it. It's fun. Um, I cannot wait. Uh, Kate, you're absolutely right. Once More With Feeling is one of my favorite things in the world because they took the premise of the musical. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how they explain how this happens is it a anomaly that makes everyone's oh, an anomaly? it definitely looks like an anomaly which is going to be even better because it's like yes. the dancing demons no something can't be right now oh my god exactly <laughs> boy letters to cleo i one of those songs popped up in my rotation lately it said here and now isn't that that isn't that the one am i am i crazy I'm very sure. excited about that. Well, I mean, you are Charlie, but I don't think it has to do with the Letters to Cleo song. You don't have to be crazy to work here, but it helps. Oh, my gosh. All right, Jen, are you going to can treat the trifecta or you got something else to say? Break oh, it down for musical me. musical episode for sure, 100%. I love <laughs> musicals so much, and I am so stoked for this. I've wanted a musical episode of Star Trek since I started watching Star Trek, I think. And... Um, when I saw the uh, list of episode titles for this season of Strange New Worlds, I was like, Subspace Rhapsody? Oh, are we getting a musical or am I getting my hopes up? And <laughs> it's such a great reference, too. We're going to bring back Freddie Mercury. It'll be unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. Well, Peter, you are my <laughs> beloved contrarian. Do you got something different to say? Where do you, 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 I mean, to be a contrarian when Todd Oxtra is present, that's, uh, that's like David and Goliath. Oh, my God. So, but anyway, I, I would love to hear your take on these three bits of news. Which one had you fired up? Uh, Okay. Um, Lower Decks. Yeah. Had, had my attention the most. I knew the musical episode was coming. Um, and like you, I love musicals, but I've also seen them done iffy <laughs> with <laughs> Once Upon a Time, for instance. So that is fair. Um, it's one of those like, it could be great and it could be like a wonderful follow up to um, the Elysian Kingdom from last season yeah or i could be cringing into the couch so it's that's why i'm like oh no all right looks solid you know i uh and again 
I'll be, I'll be contrarian right along with you. I, the musical thing is, is less for me than it is for everyone else. And I was I was in musicals throughout high school. I was in four different shows. I'm a music guy. I dig that. But I kind of dig Lower Decks more, which is even funnier because it was Kay and Peter on this very show that had to kind of pull me out of my depression and, and anxiety and, and, and self-loathing when it came to Lower Decks. Um, because, yeah, 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 you did it. It was. <laughs> It was. You're it was welcome, Charlie. It well, I was so I was really lodged in it because my 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 two prior co-hosts really disliked Lower Decks, and so as I brought them on to talk about it, they just kind of dragged me down. They had no taste. <laughs> you know, I I, I I don't necessarily want to commit to that, but okay. Um, so yeah, you I don't know I, them, so I can't. <laughs> oh my gosh, Todd's looking around like I'm not saying a damn thing now. Todd, the the, the next big work for Lower Decks is going to be for the two of you to gang up on Oxtra and get him to watch the show because he watched it was like, I, just, I don't get it. I don't care. Whatever. No, I, I, I got it. I, I got it. I just <laughs> I got it, it. didn't, it didn't it. deliver to me. I, I just felt like it was too on the nose and just didn't do anything for me. And I get people love it. But it just, it is, I've always told this, this show, I, Lord X, I, I've watched a lot of Shrek. Some of that stuff references there to really enjoy it is well beyond my wealth of knowledge. So unless I think it's really tributes your knowledge to really get a lot of those jokes, if not even me who I've watched, I mean, I think almost every series, I'm like, eh, it's okay. I mean, not necessarily. Um, my boyfriend, Scott watches Lord X with me and he hasn't watched all of the Star Trek the way that I have. And I wind up having to explain some of the jokes to him, but he still finds it funny. So I understand it's a matter of taste for sure. So if it's not your thing, it's not your thing, but I just, you know, I don't think that it's specifically in the references, especially in these more recent seasons where they're very much doing their own thing and even referencing themselves more than necessarily all the old stuff. TOS, yeah. those old scientists, which we'll talk about next time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And I agree because I haven't seen anything beyond, you know, TNG, anything older than TNG. And I, you know, so I know that a lot of the references go over my head, but again, yeah, it is down to taste. And so I know that I'm missing a lot of the references, but I still find that the stuff that I do get is very, I think, very witty and very fun. Well, it's very Rick and Morty. It's very Rick yeah. and Morty to it's me. Very, yeah. I and mean, to me, Rick and Morty is in miss. Yeah. 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 I, and, well, yeah. It's a oh, well. we, we, we won't beat up on you too dramatically. Yeah. Cause, yeah cause, cause that's not fair. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No yeah, doubt. Agreed, Jen. Agreed. All right. Well, cool. Well, let's uh, wrap on that. And again, Lower Decks, Season 4, September 7. Uh, Discovery, Season 5, which we didn't talk about. We got a nice five-minute vignette. Uh, that season, we're expecting that in February. And then the Strange New Worlds musical episode, which was the overwhelming favorite we are likely to see within about two weeks. Um, and do keep in mind uh, that we will be taking a little break because myself uh, and Missy and Kay and my wife April will all be in Las Vegas for Star Trek Las Vegas, we'll, which will prevent us from putting out another episode. So when we return, we'll have a chance to probably talk about this. So, but before that happens, we are going to talk about the two most recent episodes of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, uh, episodes five and six. Um, a lot of fun. Uh, I'm going to tee up K to read about episode five. Let her rip. All right. So in episode five, we had an accident or a shuttle accident leads Spock's Vulcan DNA to be removed by aliens, making him fully human and completely unprepared to face to Pring's family during an important ceremonial dinner. And Whoa. this was something where 
I just had to assume that Ethan Peck had so much fun playing Spock because there was so much energy and dynamicism that he's normally not able to put into Spock that just flowed through that character in the amount of comedic timing that he was able to play off. I mean, not to mention Anson Mount's <laughs> amazing comedic timing as well, just being that awkward dad figure to Spock as he's trying to smooth everything over. And you had the drama, you had the love interest between him and Chapel finally come into fruition. You know, I'm sure that Jen will be able to speak to dressed as Chapel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe just a little bit. But it really was a great episode where you and I think the episode was actually written by the same person who did some of Shit's Creek. So I could definitely see that kind of like awkward adorability that came through. That's not surprising. Um, yeah. And oh it, that was yeah. the thing when I, when I realized, when I heard that, I was like, oh yeah, that's not surprising at all. And I think it did just amazing things because it was both funny and very poignant. And you <laughs> had these like ephemeral space, like gaseous, entities who were apparently their entire culture was based on like bureaucracy customer service service yes. please <laughs> please press one well that was yeah and the request wasn't made during the appropriate return window when it was just, that yeah it was amazing yeah. so the entire <laughs> thing was just you know again i keep thinking that there's going to be a dud in strange new worlds because they keep hitting it out of the park and I have yet to find one. Every episode is just absolutely wonderful to watch. I, I, I said it at the beginning of the season because, as I'd mentioned, I, I had a screener where I watched the first six, which included this one. There wasn't a dud in the bunch. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and going into this back half, I've seen episode seven, which probably a lot of you have had because it dropped at uh, SDCC. And then I've seen episode eight. Uh, all so uniquely different uh, and spectacular. Um, Jen, let's move on to you. Your thoughts? Um, this was amazing. <laughs> um, I, who would have thought that Spock would have been the funniest character on the show? And yet he is. And um, I love I logic. They, they bring his mother, Amanda back and it's the same actress who was her on discovery. Right. Um, which is great. Um, and just more of his relationship with his mother's being explored there. We see some of, we see from her what her life is like as a human living on Vulcan. And that's something that hadn't been explored before. Um, and of course the, the whole Spock and Chapel of it all is I'm, I'm just absolutely delighted by, by that. Um, even if it can't last or won't last, I'm going to enjoy it while I have it. <laughs> yeah. Big yeah. time, big time. Oh my goodness. Todd, how about you? Um, it was funny because it reminded me of Seinfeld and Festivus. And apparently the Vulcans, uh, they celebrate the airing of grievances. And I'm like, that is so Vulcan. But man, once again, Spock showing that restraint to not tell them to STFU, um, stop attacking everyone this including my mother who, you know, right. and, and also my captain who made these wonderful things for you. And I love the, the husband of, uh, to brings, uh, you oh know, my God. Yeah, he was so, so milk toast. I loved he it. He loved it, but he didn't cause he wasn't right. allowed. So I, I really, 
Yeah. And Todd, you did earn um, episode title of Vulcan Festivus. So thank yeah. you for that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's a great episode because it and I was trying to remember, was there a subplot? Obviously, the subplot was trying to uh, go after the entity uh, yeah. to resurrect it. So, mm-hmm. right. um, and I like, and the great thing about Strange New Worlds is they give everybody time. And I think why this show succeeds is because it's not burdened with an overall overall story arc where they have to continue the narrative or the plot. They can just do fun standalone episodes, which are fulfilling, really build characterization and really give everyone a spotlight, which I really love. Totally. Yeah, the overarching plot is definitely the characters versus an actual yeah. like yeah. weird story. And the, the Red and Angel, and it, yeah, and it's a bi- it's a big relief, even though some of those really worked. Um, and mm-hmm. and again, it got to be a little bit too much. Three seasons of Picard doing that, you know, now four seasons of Discovery doing that. So this is this has become so much more accessible. Um, so much so that my barber, the guy, the guy who gave me Pike's Peak, uh, said to me when I was getting my hair cut a couple of weeks ago, I finally watched your guy's show. You know, I finally checked it out and I said, good, because it's it's easy and accessible. You can watch it. You don't need to know anything. It's a bunch of people on a ship. They're doing a bunch of stuff. They're in space and you can just enjoy the fun parts of it. So um, cool. Peter. I hated this episode. <laughs> what? <laughs> With a burning passion. OK, uh, it's break it down for us. What's up? Um. Hmm. Okay. Um, well, one stripping Spock of his Vulcanness has been done before and done better. Um, the par- yeah. What is it? This side of paradise or paradise or even Amok time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just seemed a little tropey to me in that regard. Also, Spock forgetting how to Vulcan just seemed very unlikely he still has his memories and they even mention at the end of the episode vulcan emotions are far more powerful than human emotions so if he's left as a human his emotions are not nearly as intense and so his practice control would be able to help him through that um which they did show towards the end of the episode when he's able to hold the t and all of that yeah um, that's, that's valid no, I understand. I, it was it was too much for me um and I didn't appreciate the scene where they had everyone telling Spock how Vulcans operate because it felt like they were mocking him just the way that they spoke. I don't think that that's how the writers intended it. I don't think that's how the actors intended it, but that's how it felt to me. Um, Because you have to remember Spock is one of my favorite characters growing up. Um, And yeah. There were there were a lot of things I didn't like about this. I, I mean, enough things funny. Spock bacon that that to me was a little bit of a dichotomy. That was too you know, much too. You know, yeah. I mean, Vulcans are vegetarians, exactly. So, and they don't touch food with their hands. That's a very Vulcan right. thing. And for me, the whole thing felt like the only point. And I'm yes, there are other things, but it felt like the the main point of the episode was to get to praying out of the way, make Spock kind of a jerk makes a pring also kind of a jerk and then so they can push this chapel narrative which we know can't go anywhere yeah because um, it because we know because so, we, because we know it doesn't so i know i i realize everyone else liked it but for me I, it just i i, I appreciate was, you standing I, up i, I appreciate like you it. standing up 
Yeah, no, I told. And, yeah, and, and I enjoyed it for you know the funny ha-has. But Peter, in some ways, I see what you're saying. Um, but yes, I did appreciate it for for the funny ha-has and and the setup uh, for for kind of that part of the narrative of this. But yeah, there were certain kind of glaring omissions. But yeah, the the oh to Pring's mother. But I mean, yeah, it was she was very one note. The dad, the dad, I found amusing. Um, but uh, but yeah, ultimately it was kind of a zero sum game. But it, it does kind of personify the fact that everything in this is very self-contained we're already seeing you know as we go forward into future episodes that that you know the uh, chapel and spock relationship really can't endure and it's you know it's already kind of headed in that direction so uh, but for the time i found it fun so, can i anyway. can i ask a question about that because obviously i'm less i don't know a lot of the tos stuff because that's the stuff i watched with my dad back I in love, the days i love todd's questions mm-hmm. break it down so so i mean and is that the problem with a show that you know where a lot of these characters are headed that we can't have him with Dupring unless there's a Vulcan divorce eventually, right? Well, so is that, that, that is that, that the necessary evil you have to like? Th- we have to show that he has a past, and we know they don't do that. But it's cool to show some. See, like, the thing is, they already layers. part yeah. of the problem is they kind of shot themselves in the foot in the previous mm-hmm. season because in TOS it's implied that they haven't really um, interacted Maybe all she, that much yeah, before yeah, you that, see her in that's um, true. Okay. in Amok time. Okay. Yeah, and so so they already shot themselves in the foot on that one, um, and then the the issue with Chapel and TOS continuity is the whole thing is there's unrequited emotion, there's unrequited relationship emotions going on there, and it's very clear that Spock hasn't and doesn't. Yeah, um, okay, and okay. so that's that's the issue for me. I know a lot of people don't care about that. I get that you're fine, but well, and a lot of people haven't seen TOS. I think yeah. this is. The exactly, thing is, and that's my thing is I, I realize that a lot of people haven't yeah. seen it, and so they don't yeah. know that context. That's okay, but coming from someone who has seen it, it yeah. just it it's weird. It well, is. and that was and, and that's just a follow up question. Like, I was worried about this because like if Sabak has essentially when he meets Kirk is a certain level, it feels like all these episodes we're getting is showing more growth with Spock. So it's like, how do they explain why he's kind of like this level? during TOS versus all of the experiences and emotional and connections I, uh, he's grabbing. So it's, 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 it's an interesting approach. It's easy. The plot armor for Vulcans is, uh, uh is the, uh, the colonar, the, the wiping of emotion, the colonoscopy, so, the colonoscopy. Yes, the uh, Vulcan yeah. colonoscopy. I mean, again, I will openly admit, I haven't seen TOS. I have seen some of the movies with the original cast, but it does seem like what Strange New Worlds is doing is allowing Spock more emotional volatility as he's coming to terms with his emotions. And then you're seeing him in TOS and in those subsequent movies as someone who is more grounded, as someone who has kind of figured that like a little bit more balance between his human and Vulcan side is that. Like, there's, am I coming to there, correctly with that there's, assumption? There's something there. The thing that uh, I don't want to do a soapbox, but here you go. Uh, <laughs> um, the the thing with Spock in the original series is he's very, very strictly Vulcan, um, and it's Kirk and McCoy who pull him out of that. That's that's um, very true. And so seeing him like as sweet as it was, and I will give them that in this episode. Um, the the moment between Amanda and Spock, it was it was well written, it was well done, it was well acted. Like, kudos, okay. But Spock's relationship with his mom in this particular part of his life is iffy 
because of how much rejection he's had from Vulcan society. Right. And, and so his father, and and his father too. from yeah. his father, which they do mention. And so he, sh- he's putting all of his humanity into a box because he doesn't want to deal with that. And so you have Kirk and McCoy and the rest of the Enterprise crew who pull him out. Could this be out. argued that that's what's bringing him to do that, though? Is that they're you kind of could. showing that journey of him trying to like find that balance of his humanity and he can't. And so then at that point, it, he ends up kind it, of burying it. And that's where it you get depends on TLS. how they do it. It's just from the from what I've seen, that doesn't seem to be where they're going. I could be wrong, but it's just how it seems. It, it doesn't seem like they're fully aware of how that dynamic fully works and if they're doing their own continuity fine it's fine you can do your own thing you know the romulans break time so anything can happen now um that's very true (laughs) 92 so yeah yeah as was was... and in the cage he's very different and yes in the cage he's very emotional but he is also this is before strange new worlds in in the cage So the idea is that the journey from the cage to what we see in TOS is the journey of Strange New Worlds. And I think it's cool that it's other characters are having a hand in helping him to see who he is, who he can be. And I don't think it necessarily contradicts what's in TOS. Um, It is, of course, an interpretation of character. and however you interpret the character, I'm not going to begrudge you for what your interpretation is. Um, I like seeing it. I like seeing that there is more focus on the characters, especially because in TOS, a lot of it was very plot focused. It was plot driven. It was here's an episode. Here's something that happens. Modern yeah, TV very storytelling true. allows us to have a little bit more exploration of character. And that's something that I think Strange New Worlds does very well. So I'm eager and excited to see where they do go with it. I think that Strange New Worlds is better about staying closer to canon than maybe Discovery was. Um, yeah, I agree. Evidence that, they've, that they're trying to do that. And I think that they're going to um, introduce things that are not necessarily going to uh, yeah, contradict the canon. They might play with it a little bit, like we're seeing in some of the next episode, um, yeah. that things are sort of technically true. Uh, but I mean, I can come up with that when we're on that episode too. So, right. Um, right, right. Charlie, anyway, there's some room. What's up? I was going to say, you remember the term retcon? The comics love so much. (laughs) This is what I feel like that everything is going to have to happen because to satisfy a show from the 60s that has a different mindset. um, And that's why I say Strange Room Worlds is a great entry point for everybody. It's not going to satisfy everybody that has a history with Star Trek. But for me, I love what it does. Yeah. And and as as TOS gets further away, I mean, we're pushing 60 years since that show came on. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's 2023. That show came out in 1966. So it's getting, you know, those fans are dying off. I hate to say it, just to come right out and say it. Um, but more Peter's our- not dead, Charlie. Peter's still alive. <laughs> I'm sorry, Peter, but I'm even the uniform, you, dude. Even that, even that, even that uniform you're wearing is from much the younger 80s. than us. Yes, he is. He is. He's much younger than us. Um, God, guys, this has been great. But we should move on to the next episode. Um, Peter, I, I'll, I'll give you chops, but I want to give uh, I want to give uh, Jen first rights at the next episode because I feel like we talked way more than her. So, Peter, read the summary and then we'll kick to Jen. Um, okay, so episode six, Lost in Translation. 
Uhura seems to be the only one who can hear a strange sound. When the noise triggers terrifying hallucinations, she enlists an unlikely assistant to help her track down the source. Technically enlists himself. but <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what he does. Have at it. Have at it. Sorry, I have cats fighting in the background. I oh. heard, I heard Oliver going at it back there. They're fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so this is kind of what I was talking about where they're saying the things that are sort of, they're still technically true. Kirk, uh, you know, the, the guest that enlists himself is Kirk. It's, it's Jim Kirk from this timeline. The real Kirk. Sort of. OS, he is like the Kirk that we are supposed to, he's supposed to be like our Kirk. I right. continue to love him as Kirk. And especially after this episode, um, he is charming. He is kind. He is, um, taking Uhura's claims at face value very seriously. Um, and he wants to help people. And um, I think those are some of the core qualities that K is dying. I got to let her go I'm next. Um, oh. No, if you got something no. to say, go for it. Please. No, I, just, I just want, I want to say that I'm so excited to talk with Jen specifically about this episode because I remember when we watched the movies and you were like, I apologize because this is not the Kirk that you're supposed to see. Right. And the entire time I was watching this one and tomorrow, 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 I, all I could think about was you telling me that this is not the Kirk from TOS. Right. And I was looking, I was like, oh, freaking A, is this Kirk? Because I love this Kirk. <laughs> so and just watching this episode, I was like, dang, I'm like, Kirk is awesome. Kirk is yeah. like, yes, he's kind See? of like, he's he's a little bit of like, you know, a little, you can tell that he's a little bit of like maybe a womanizer. He's a little bit, you know, full of himself. But also he's really, really caring and compassionate. He was the only yes. one, like you said, that took Ohura seriously during this entire episode. And I mean, of course, Pike did too when it was brought to her, brought to his attention. Yes. Uh, because Pike is also kind and empathetic and a good leader. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's also going to, you know, take credit for the things that, um, uh, if if this goes sideways, it's it's all me, you know. He says that, so um, I liked this. I was concerned that this was going to be a horror episode, like yeah, uh, yeah there's a lot of elements to that for sure. Season, and I was really glad to see that it wasn't. Uh, there were some aspects uh -huh. of it that were a little horrific, like the the zombie Hammer. Um, great to see Hammer back, also, even if it was just for a little bit. Um, but as an exploration of grief. And um, how you can be a Starfleet officer and figure out how to deal with grief. This was such a cool episode um, to have, uh, yeah, just just to see it and to have Kirk be one of the people that's sort of guiding Uhura through that. Totally, it was really cool to see. I liked seeing that relationship start. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Some serious kitty, Todd. Oh, I really enjoy this episode. It just really makes me frustrated that, uh, and my wife actually remarked as we watched the end of this episode together, she goes, are there any aliens on the ship? 
I'm like, oh, they kind of killed off um, the chief engineer. Um, they run in Carol Kane, who's kind of an alien. So I'm like, yeah, she is. But, I mean, and there's all well, kinds yes, of background, yes. background aliens and stuff. But she looks, she looks exactly also, human. Una yeah. is an alien. Yeah, Correct, that is true. but she looks exactly like a human. So that's what I'm saying. Right. No one really Humanoid. stands out. Where I thought Discovery, I thought they brought in some folks that looked, you know, they were, were exa- like, and having an Andorian on the, the the cast was really cool to me, and I really right. liked him because he was a different. Because we've seen a billion Vulcans, so I thought it was like, and then in Discovery, we've only had, um, well, the folks that you interviewed, Kay, yeah. um, being uh, mm-hmm. I yeah. forgot what the alien. It was awesome to Linus, see. Yeah, so Linus, it's yeah, it's kind of a miss to see yeah. that we're not, yeah we're not getting more diversity in regards to it's almost all people who look humanoid i would like to see more but um it was really cool because the horrific nature of grief and not dealing with it is paralyzing and the fact that you have the community that we even have we're making that joke like i'm a communication offer i can't even communicate my problems so i thought that was really compelling and i'm loving that the relationship with Kirk and Uhura wasn't romantic. It was just complimentary. It was great. I thought they really did a great job and um, dealing with the fact and, you know, understanding that life forms have many different um, appearances and properties and being part of a um, a energy source is a huge and, and, and that's only part of that. Like, oh, uh, Pike's like, oh, they'll deal with it. We'll get another gas station. If this was a real argument in the real world, there would be a real dynamic of saying, is it worth using that energy source versus exploiting the people? Right. And that's, that was a missed opportunity in this. But still, I loved it. I love the fact that it was a horror, a horror focused episode. And um the the going crazy element is always a trope in every series we've ever seen Very and good, how they yeah. and how they actually execute it is what differentiates it i thought this yeah. was done really well um and the challenge of a 42 minute episode is always how are you going to do it and deliver it i thought it was well done and uh and and i think uh all of these characters and i'm i'm glad uh, Pike got or sorry, uh, Kirk got some interaction with uh, uh, Lon based on yeah. that callback, which was yeah. cool too. Yeah. So I just love how they're building this world and not having to solve and do everything right away. They're, they yeah. know they've got time. I hope they've got time. I want many, many seasons of the show. So I Great. hope they can just continue on their pace versus saying we've got to land the ship because we're done in two seasons. I hope this right. can go on. Very true. All right, Peter, please tell me you enjoyed this one. I, I really, really hope you like this one. You're smiling. That's good, right? I did. I enjoyed this one. Okay, thank God. I did not like the beginning scene with Spock and Chapel, but I liked the rest of it. Right. Because right. that just felt like a, oh, no, we're going to do this. And then all of a sudden, eh. So I don't know. <laughs> anyway, but I really, I thought this episode was good. As everyone knows, I was super excited to see my boy Hammer, even though he was not really there. He but, was he was the zombie. zombie I, I love seeing the recording of him, especially, you know, yeah. you can't blow the ship up. Don't touch that. Don't <laughs> yeah. be so gullible. Like, <laughs> Happy Hammer. Have yeah, they used, well. like, recordings of people? Because that was something I'm like, they never show, like, memories of people through recorded video in Star Trek, as far as I remember. This seemed like a one-off. They did it in Discovery with, with uh, Arium. 
uh, in season four, and that was the that was the cybernetic bridge officer, and they kind of brought her back to kill her off. It was one of those like she's background, but now she gets a story. And now we're going to kill her. Uh, but they did. She was remembering the accident that 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 kind of put her in the cybernetic body. So they did use recordings for that, but you yeah. know, from time to time, yeah, yeah. Um, so but overall, I thought this episode was pretty solid, especially how like it handled the two different ways that people handle grief by like pushing people away or feeling like they're going nuts. Um, having experienced, you know, parts of both I can relate. And it, it's, it was very Same. good to see how that worked. Um, and, and just how they handled it. I did. I, I know that I got picky on Kirk the last time he appeared. Um, this time he, he was very, he, I liked him this time. He was a um, different Kirk last time, though. It was a different timeline. I know, and yeah. we already had that argument. I'm aware of this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've had we've have two we've had two alt Kirks in this series. We had one last season, and then one this season. Two and two separate alt Kirks, and then we've had two real time Kirks. One of which was a tag at the end of Tomorrow, 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 and then we had this, and then he's coming back for the musical episode because you saw him in those clips. Yeah, I did. So, but I I really like how this particular series is helping to de-zap Brannigan, Kirk. Yes. Um, which I am thrilled with because... Agreed. Most of the time when I have to bring up Kirk, everyone's like, oh, this, and they're talking about either JJ's version of Kirk, which is awful until, like, parts of um, <laughs> Beyond, and then... Kirk Fu! <laughs> and then just the the popular culture vision of Kirk, which is Zap Brannigan. Right. Um so it's very nice to see, like, is he a ladies' man? Sure, but he's not a jack wagon about it. Right. Um, like Uhura said, I'm not interested. He's like, okay, okay, fine. I just, I just thought you needed a friend. Well, She's like, it, it's funny the contrast that versus how gross Chris Pine was in that 09 movie when he's hitting yeah. on Zoe Zeldana at the bar in the beginning. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. That's redemption there because they're also at the bar. <laughs> Full yeah. body shudder, uh, but him just being gross. Yeah, yeah. So, but that was something that I really appreciated about this episode. Like Kirk is very present. Like she's like, oh, I think I found something, and he's like, you wait for me there. Don't go in there alone. Right. Um, Horror movie trope. Well, yeah. And then I ask a question. How it works? Oh, here and with Todd's questions, I absolutely love it. Please do. Uh, who who, the, who runs the bar on a starship in considering it's not a holodeck i'm like well, is that somebody's role well, are they remember, like brought in remember, i don't remember you know guinan on the 1701d yes. was a civilian but there are ostensibly no civilians on the 1701 that we're aware of so i don't know somebody in special services or something Sur like that, air force know. services i know services and they do them like oh, but we didn't Jen, run bars we didn't Jen, run bars Jen, in the air force so Jen's, I don't know. Jen, Jen's raising her hand. Okay. As of, as of now, Chapel's not in Starfleet yet. She is on a liaison. That is, that is um, correct. Yes, that is that, that is, is something that gets forgotten. Program. I don't know. Maybe they've got a, a culinary program that they are hiring someone on to do. Maybe that's a job that a lower decker has to do. I, I there you know. go. To be, to, contractor. Be a, to be a bar hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would I, think so. Because on a because on a, a navy fleet, you've got someone doing services of being a chef and those things. Those are military individuals, and therefore right. you had that running channel. I just thought like running a bar. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was weird. I'm like, okay, well, you're you know, are you the bar like Isaac from the Love Boat is just brought on to risk his life to serve 
like beverages. It's kind of interesting. Funny is, I feel like we don't actually end up seeing a bartender. Or maybe I'm just ignoring it that you see anybody actually serving the drinks. People just have drinks, but there's no there's no uh, replicator. There, there was point. someone you saw hands. And yeah, a it's a, uniform. It's just hands. <laughs> so just cousin it. It's just cousin itting it. So exactly. um everything everything's kind of been said. I do love um the special uh piece of continuity paid uh th- because I watched the menagerie after I watched this episode. When Kirk mentions when they hey, have you ever yeah. met Christopher Pike? No, I met him one time when he was promoted to fleet captain, which is exactly what happens in this episode, but then he gets to, then he it, dem- he kept saying, Oh, it's temporary, and then the, he gets that cool badge, which I would turn around and buy from fan sets, but I'm not a fleet captain like anymore. a weird retcon cop out. Like, yeah, we need to be in line with continuity because he was a fleet yeah. captain, but we don't want to have him a fleet captain the whole time. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was kind of fun. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought it was kind of make it sort of technically true. I think. Yeah, very, exactly. yeah, very and like very, technically correct does make you correct. Yes, but yeah. very true. Yeah. Very um, true. Oh my goodness, uh, uh, Jen, go ahead. And I just want to also give props to Pelia in this one too. I completely yes. forgot to mention her in the last episode that I was in here talking about, and her insight is just it's it's so good that she's able to see kind of what Una's problem is with her, and yeah. mm-hmm. she's kind of able to sort of drop some of these nuggets of wisdom to help characters along, kind of like Guinan does. Right. There you go. That's, that is her role. And she is also, again, a very long lived alien. So, oh my gosh, you guys, I've never had, um, we've never had a segment one run quite this long, but this is great. We also just ended up with this great confab of people. So this has been absolutely fantastic. So, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Peter and I will be staying on to talk about enterprise, but let's go around the horn. Kate, where do people find you out there? Oh, um, you can find me on Instagram at quintessential geek, and you can find me on Twitter at Q underscore T geek. Excellent. Todd. At Tioxtra for all things Twitter, uh, which is X and threads. I believe I'm Todd Oxtra because I think it's Facebook on threads and Seek Friends Unite is also on threads as well. Excellent. Jen. I have a link tree, which is linktree slash Jen Watson art. There you'll find my Instagram, my Facebook, my Etsy shop and any other projects that I may have going on right now. Awesome. Good deal. All right. Well, we're going to take a brief pause for station identification. Thank you, everybody, for joining up, and we will be right back. All right, cool. We're back. Man, that was fun. 40 minutes of uh, of some, some, some resounding conversation. But there are only two remaining to come back and talk about Star Trek Enterprise. Peter is always good about dressing up. I have kind of given up. My camera doesn't give me a good angle to do uniforms, but I feel like I should I should recommit myself. So we'll see what happens after I get back from Vegas. Just as yeah. a reminder, we will be taking um, a one month hiatus uh, because our next normal episode that we'd be putting out would would happen during a time that we can't record it because we'll be in Vegas. But we'll be back to finish up Enterprise at that time and also to talk about episodes seven and eight of Strange New Worlds. But not to put the cart before the horse, we are talking about Star Trek Enterprise segment three, episodes thirteen through 18, uh, continuing the Zindi arc as we move forward. So uh, let's get it started with episode 13. Peter, take us away. All right. Episode 13, Proving Ground, aired December 6th. No, aired January 21st, 2004. (laughs) The in-universe day is December 6th. Right. Whoops. Uh, 
uh, written by, directed by David Livingston, written by Chris Black. Zindi scientists test their new planet-killing weapon in an asteroid field as Captain Archer is suddenly assisted by Andorians. In Ooh! Expanse. I love it. We are right. We're getting Shran back in this episode. The delightful Jeffrey Combs, which I skins. I have gotten <laughs> to know him uh, through the cruise. I've gotten to know him through Grand Rapids uh, Comic Con earlier this year. Uh, the the spring show uh, where he stopped by our booth and chatted up April and myself uh, in Missy. W- what a great guy! And he he's Star Trek's every man. So anything that he touches uh, is going to be pretty fantastic. And we get uh, we get another Andorian crew member in this. His eventual love interest and her name is help me out oh dang you see what um, i mean you'd have to you'd have you'd have to click on the link and look it up um but yeah, yeah. another female uh, a female andorian which is the first one we really get to spend a lot of time with um but we end up finding out in a later episode that the two become an item talus thank you uh as she kind of spars with lieutenant reed to set up um the andorian's ultimate aim which is to Grab this uh, this Zindi uh, test weapon. Acquire the weapon. Acquire so, so they can take it back um, to further their war with the Vulcans. But um, yes. I, I think that, you know, Combs' Shran really exhibits a lot of charm and a lot of uh, kind of disdain in the fact that you can tell he doesn't really believe in this mission, but he's quote-unquote following orders um, mm-hmm. and doesn't like to be at odds with Archer because you can tell that he's really come to respect him. So I really dug this episode. I thought, oh, this I, is a good episode. I, yeah, I, I like the duality of that without a doubt. Um, and in the end, obviously, the Andorians don't get the weapon. They end up giving it up uh, so that um, so that our people can continue mm-hmm. with their mission. I don't have a whole lot to add. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's a good episode. It's good. I love seeing the dynamic between the two. I think this is one of the first times you see the interior of an Andorian starship, which is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, a, it's a slightly different take on what we've normally seen. You know, most of the controls are behind the captain. We only yeah. really ever see that on Klingon ships. So it's interesting how that works. Um, so yeah, it's a good episode. Shran's yeah. always fun to see. I love his just some of it's feigned, but some of it's real disdain for everyone around him. Right. <laughs> so it's not even just the humans, it's everyone. Right. So. Everybody. And I love it. And, and Andorians, although they were introduced in TOS, are have really become property of Voyager the same way the Borg, I feel like, really become property of Voyager because of the ultimate development of of the species and, and kind of learning yeah, about I, the nuances yeah enterprise really helped develop like the two species of that found helped found a federation that we really knew nothing about right. which were the andorians and the vault and the uh, tellarites right we exactly. saw the tellarites once in right. the original series and that was it and we all were like right. oh they're the pigmen and yeah that's exactly it. yeah now we knew they said. were grumpy and that was about all we knew about them. <laughs> grumpy pigmen and so like so then enterprise comes along and then takes the end like this is where it being a prequel and playing with the stuff that we knew happened but didn't know the yeah. details this is where it really shone um and helped develop those cultures in a way that did not contradict anything we saw before and really helped flesh out some of the things that we hear about them later on 
Exactly. So, cool. Yeah. yeah, no, I really I really dug this. Um, it was great to see that. And again, it really proliferates itself. The next time we see Shran, uh, which is later in the season, he does actually help execute the finality of the arc. But we get we get more more play with him, uh, certainly in season four. So, all right, moving on. Uh, episode 15, Harbinger, the nude episode. Uh, wait, wait, <laughs> 14. We're on 14. Oh, sorry. Oh, no. I don't want I don't want to break up the nude episode. Sorry. Uh, episode 14 is Stratagem. Uh, Mike Vihar, uh, Vihar is the director, a stalwart, a stalwart of the franchise. Um, showrunner, again, is Terry Metalis, the guy who is absolutely at the forefront because he was one of the real masterminds uh, behind Star Trek Picard. But he got to start uh, here and on Voyager. Um, teleplay by Mike Sussman, again, a regular. Um, uh, came out in Feb of 04. Uh, Zindi scientist Degra. Uh, is tricked into giving Captain Picard information about the location of the new super weapon. Ooh, the subterfuge mm. episode. Yeah, so we see, uh, I was going to say Picard, we see Archer um, kind of fabricating a situation where he and Degra um, are you know, escaping refugees prison. escaping prison after three years of um, basically what we saw, basically kind of the storyline we saw in Twilight. Earth is wiped out, uh, but also after that in this this fabrication that uh, this yarn that Archer spins that uh, the Zindi factions went back to fighting with each other and about near wiped out their race as well. So um, they're doing all of this in kind of a fake shuttle. Think about the end of Captain America, the first adventure where they've got Cape in that, Cap in that fake room and they're trying to mm -hmm. ease him into the fact that he's in 2011 after being in the ice since you know 1945 um it's it's kind of that but with the purpose of eliciting information out of him which they do finally get and they do uh after they, some hiccups after some hiccups well you know it wouldn't be dramatic storytelling or star trek uh, oh, star no. trek or dramatic storytelling sense. in general if there weren't you know basically some hiccups but um this was great. I, I feel like we were we were moving um, the overall plot line of the season uh, forward in a good direction. Um, we're not introducing Degra because we've seen him in several episodes prior to this, but through yeah. this, you know, in Archer's kind of exploitation of the, of knowledge of him, you you learn about his background and kind of what motivates him, and he is. Much like as we continue to learn, uh, like many of the Zindi, or I should say the the nice Zindi species, not, not the non reptilians. Uh, yeah, the reptilians and the insectoids, who are the really you know bad blokes of the batch. They're they're acting they're acting out of fear that they're being fed by these sphere builders, which we're going to learn quite a bit about in the next episode. But mm -hmm. yeah, I like this. Like I said, um, you know, this season is building upon itself. We're moving in a, a, another little component here uh, and getting our people ever closer. Um, to finding what they need. So yeah, I thought this. I thought this was a great addition. Oh yeah, this was this was one of those episodes that I instantly loved when I watched it. I love like the subterfuge and the the, the sneakiness about it because the first minute you see it, you're like, wait, is, are they doing some time travel weirdness? What's going on here? And then all of a sudden, you see the the screens on the outside, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and so then you know, dramatic irony. You know what's going on. One of the characters doesn't. It's right. It, it's great how that works and the acting between um, I forget who plays Degra, R but Randy Oglesby, I think yeah. is his name. Yeah. Yeah. So between him and an archer, it's just the how this is acted, how it's written is just, it's very, very well done. And it definitely helps us. One of the things that I really find helpful in a lot of these sorts of things, especially because everyone likes to crap on this season about like, Oh, it's written only in response to nine 11. But, how they humanize Degra 
and how it's not just like yeah yeah these are all just evil oh no yeah. like they very, actually very one dimensional twirling the mustache yeah exactly. so they they really like they're not snidely whiplash they make them like good people you know it's there's there's something going on here like he has a family um so it's one of those things that i like to see now don't get me wrong i like my pure evil villains too i like my yeah. saurons i like my emperor palpatine we got we, we got but, plenty yeah but to to have a well-written not forced sympathetic character who is currently an antagonist um, yeah is is just kind of a nice thing to see especially in this very tense situation where you have a lot of emotions running really really high on the enterprise crew and then they have to come to terms with the fact that just like like when we were talking last time about the um, the episode with the of uh, the arboreals where you start to see that these are people yeah. who yeah. are afraid not right. not evil just evil incarnate that just happens to visit tragedy upon Earth. Right. Motivated, yeah, motivated by fear for their own survival and then, you know, willing to, 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 to go to extraordinary measures to try to protect yep. that, you know, and Very fallacy. poignant, especially for today. Very poignant, especially for today, exactly. So, yeah, no, I, I really dug this. So, okay, well, I know I precipitated this, but episode 15, the nudie episode, is all yours, Peter. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I know, sorry, I know. I episode know you, 15. Make you uncomfortable, Harbinger. my bad. Harbinger, directed by David Livingston, script by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, and teleplay by Manny Cotto. R.I.P. Manny Cotto. February 11, 2004. The Enterprise encounters a dying alien, one of the sphere builders, for the first time. So, um, this one's an interesting one. We finally get to see some of the behind the scenes on what's going on in the Delphic Expanse. Um, so that's that's good. We also get, I guess, the more the the this is one of those episodes that does have like important a and B plots. Yeah. True. Um, and they're true. not, they're all, they're not both crap. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, they uh, and they barely touch, which is, yeah, which they is don't fine. interact basically yeah. at all. Um, so you see, like we get to find out that the, that the sphere builders are making these things to alter space so that they can live in our dimension and it become, and it makes it so right. that it's uninhabitable for basically everyone else. So that's like the important, like, overarching plot thing going on here right and then we also have um trip and uh to paul finally like get a little bit together and then you have you basically see like their relationship start to come back to life they're they're yeah they're kind of like a high school romance because you yeah. see you see trip uh you know when the episode opens uh there's a young lady who's one of the makos kind of uh get uh, getting you know massage or whatever trip attempting vulcan neuro pressure but you know it's yeah. it's it's pretty highly sexualized uh, oh she, yeah like she, yeah she gives him a big smooch and then to paul who we know has been suffering from earlier in the season from the trillium D poisoning, and it's kind of eroding uh, her, you know, emotional, emotional blocks, her mental yeah. blocks. So she is becoming um, a little bit more in touch with her emotions. And you know, for the last you know sixteen episodes, fifteen, sixteen episodes of her, you know, being in 
close physical proximity with Trip, you know, at the end we get the very famous and cut for uh, cut for syndication. Uh, you see her from the back when she disrobes, and you got the full shot of her of her booty. Quite delightful. Um, but then obviously she and Trip get down. Uh, but then you know you have a scene at the end that inspired a great meme when she says, "Well, that was part of my experimentation in human sexuality." And then she's she's doing this. She's sipping her cup. Yeah, and moving her eyes around. Hmm. He's like, well, maybe we should forget the whole thing happened. But what's interesting is they do. They don't get together again for another six years. And I'm like, man, you know, I find that kind of hard to believe that they never spending that much time together. Eventually, it didn't like, hey, have a couple of drinks. Look, you know, we're all human. Well, okay, Trip is human. Um, but uh, yes. no, that was yeah. They all would find that remark insulting. I'm sure she would. Well, hopefully Tripp uh, found some consolation with uh, Corporal Cole because she was very interested in him. Uh, but anyway, yeah, you're right. It's, it's We have the very sci-fi plot, and then we have the very CW, sitcom-y, um, regular-ass kind of plot line. And you know what? That's okay. I think the two of them did great. Obviously, at the end of it, you know, the sphere alien gets up and they try to stop him, but they can't do it, and then he gets away. And we're left with um, a little bit more... Um, perspective on kind of where things are going yeah um which is great because we're you know we're building to a crescendo it's episode 15 of 24 so we're getting pretty close so all right moving along to an episode that i wasn't super happy about but it was well produced uh, uh episode 16 is doctor's orders directed by roxanne dawson so roxy as they call her Juana torres from voyager uh chris black did the writing from february of 04 the enterprise passes through a trans-dimensional disturbance the crew is put into hibernation leaving flocks to control the ship this was a photocopy of an episode of voyager and oh, i yeah. couldn't stand i couldn't I, it was completely pointless could not it, it had it had no resonance on the overall uh makeup of the season didn't further the plot um 100 was not paying attention at all when this was playing i just just didn't care for it even a little tiny bit and that's all i gotta say i don't remember anything about it um because again there's an episode of voyager same thing uh voyager had to go through i mean you uh, get flocks walking around naked on the ship so i mean that. you know what? if that's your jam that's totally cool <laughs> I mean, if the Voyager episode would have been like that and Seven was walking around naked, I would have been much more on board. But, yeah, in that Voyager episode, it was Seven and the Doctor had to keep the ship going, and yeah. she was hallucinating and blah, blah, blah. And, like, all it's all of the same beats. And it's, it's kind of some of where you start to see that you're really seeing bits and pieces throughout all of Enterprise, the cracks in the franchise uh, formula. Where you're like, ah, oh, it's really starting. We've been going at this since 1987. We're just repeating itself. I, I feel like I feel like this was beat for beat of that Voyager episode, which oh, was yeah. called. I don't even. That, one. That, yeah, it was so. I think it was one. No, one. I thought, no, one is something else. Um, one was the one with the one was the one with the futuristic drone, yeah, the drone was, who combined with the Doctor's holographic emitter. This one was called like Alone or something. It's just it was super duper generic. Um, so yeah, this was a, this was a total miss for me. Didn't like it in the slightest. Well, it, and Peter's looking up the name of the episode. If you're not watching, it's yeah. on YouTube. It's it's called One. Oh, okay. I thought that that was the one with the Borg, but apparently, yeah. Not. Maybe that one was called Drone. I don't know. But that anyway. one, yeah, that one was called Drone. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, yeah, your Probably. thoughts. Uh, this does has some good. Um, flocks stuff and it does have some funny things when like because this 
T'Pol that's running around with him is just a hallucination. There's some things that are very right. un-Vulcan that she does. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, that's kind of amusing. But, it, yeah, it's it's not a great episode. Yeah. All I respect mean, to John Billingsley, it's not a great episode. You know, and again, I, I, I enjoy uh, John Billingsley on a personal level because, you know, we interviewed him on our Patreon segment. I look forward to, to seeing him, you know, certainly at Vegas. Um, and, and I know he was going to be on the cruise last year that didn't end up happening. Delightful guy. Very fun to talk to. Very, very kind and generous uh, as far as his time that he spent with us. Um, and I love the character. But, you know, loving the character doesn't mean they're always going to get a great script uh, or they're always going to have a great you know, occasion to, to really showcase what they do. So, um, yeah. so we kind of let this one go. Um, and then we move on yeah, it's to, not, it's not a better things. But. Yeah. It's not amazing. So anyway, uh, the next episode, I really kind of dug on episode 17 is hatchery, uh, directed by Michael Grossman, uh, and the screenplay by Mike Sussman from Feb of, Oh, it's a couple days after my birthday, Feb 25 of Oh four, uh, Captain Archer becomes overly protective of an insectoid hatchery to the point of endangering their mission. This was a pretty cool episode um, because you got, uh, you know, early on they find a crashed insectoid ship. Uh, they, they, I would say they beam down, but they shuttle pod down to kind of check it out. Archer catches a spray of goo in the face. And as we find out throughout the episode, um, it, it has encoded him to the hatchlings within this ship. It's revealed that insectoid ships are all essential, essentially generational ships. They're all, they all have a nursery. Well, they kind of have to be because they don't live that long. Yeah, yeah, like like insects. Um, but because of this spray, because of this encoding, Archer becomes completely obsessed with making sure that these little hatchlings can survive to the point that uh, he's going to you know, take the ship's antimatter, basically almost stranding them, to make sure that the ship can stay uh, afloat uh, to the point that he's got to relieve senior officers and Major Hayes gets in the mix. And then, you know, Archer... Oh, God, we didn't even touch on the fact that the sea story... Um, in the episode back there was the fight between Hayes and Reed, which was absolutely oh, yeah. fantastic. Um, yeah, but it was true. played, that yeah, was it fun. was it was played out a little bit more in this, uh, in so much that you know Hayes is the only one that kind of stays loyal to the captain because Hayes is a very military kind of guy. You follow orders, you don't question them. Yeah, chain of command um, doesn't get, doesn't get. Yeah, um, exactly. So, um, so yeah, I found this. I found this to be kind of a a cool departure, a very sci-fi. Uh, kind of angle and a way to describe uh, a way to explore uh, a species that um, unfortunately we've not really learned much about since, but I thought this yeah. was, I thought this was pretty well done. Yeah, it was. And I, and again, I think this was another episode where uh, enterprise went out of their way to show that the insectoids are not completely evil. And they yeah. do that by showing they're young and how they care for them and how they have like safeguards to make sure that they survive. Yeah. Um, so, there is not a whole lot of effort to help us um, feel compassion for the adults when they show up. Yeah, no, not at all. Jerks. Um, But this was another one where they kind of helped us out with, with that one. And so, so, so there's some of that good stuff. And then a lot of the character dynamics with Hayes and Reed and, you know, yeah. And I mean, there's, there's part of me that likes the episode. There's another part of me that's like, this is another episode where Archer loses his mind. (laughs) Right. They, they kind of like to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, and, then, you know, just like kind of like what they did with, you know, Janeway, you'd have an, a, an episode where she's like, well, she's acting blah, blah, blah. But at the end of it, 
it's kind of explained away or you kind of see the perspective mm-hmm. of it. So, yeah. But in this case, it was like, you know, yeah, the captain's lost his whatever. They did it with Picard. They did it with Cisco sometimes. Um, yep. But this was purely chemical. You know, he was being affected. And um, oh, yeah. And uh, but at least, you know, you saw the crew kind of pull together um, and found out that, yeah, Hayes is can't really be trusted to be objective because he's a military man. So he kind of he was true to his own character in marching to that fife you know what i mean uh as opposed to looking at things objectively so no i thought that that was really interesting and really even though we've not seen anything about the makos beyond enterprise because uh the makos as an organization were dissolved were clearly dissolved as as the uh, federation integrated into starfleet after 2161 so you know several years after this episode took place um it was interesting to see that they were the last Earth-related vestige of the militaries that we kind of have now, uh, of the very strict, you know, march to the march to the drumbeat. So I thought I thought that was pretty interesting. All right, cool. Episode eighteen, take us home. Episode eighteen, Azadi Prime, directed by Alan Croker, written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, was teleplay by Manny Cotto, aired March third, two thousand four. Finding the superweapon on Azadi Prime, Captain Archer embarks on a suicide mission to destroy it, and Enterprise suffers a devastating attack. Oh my god! This was a gem! This was, yeah, this was the the culmination of, and again, we're down to the last six after this, so uh, we've really really gotten to a fever pitch. Um, Degra is, uh, you know, we, we, we find Archer finally addressing some of the Zindi, making this case. Uh, but the you know while you know the the arboreals the primates the humanoids are obviously willing to uh, at least entertain what he's having to say it's not going to happen with the reptilians the reptilians are very much the one sided um, Billy Zane from Titanic the your snidely whiplash your twirling mustache kind of villains who uh, you know the, the insectoids uh, team up with the insectoids and they lead a lethal attack on Enterprise one of the worst. Uh, that you end up seeing the ship is absolutely devastated and attacked, and, and overwhelmed, is damaged through the rest of the season. So there's a yeah. lot of good visual continuity here. Yeah, yeah, it really, you know, reminded me of what we're seeing because even in this point, we're we're just barely starting to see what we see in Battlestar Galactica. The ship gets messed up. The ship mm-hmm. stays messed up. The, there's no base to go get it fixed. No replicators to make new parts um, because yeah. yeah, you see the ship destroyed to the part that we know that they lose. You know over you know 15 crewmen um because you see some of them blown out airlocks and the yep. ship is blowing up um and yeah unfortunately we're leaving on a cliffhanger because uh <laughs> you know we yeah, see the ship part one kind of yeah we see the ship kind of flipping into oblivion and the bridge burning around to paul and she's got really big eyes like man he leaves me the ship and this is what happens Whoops. Well, crap. He's gonna, yeah he's gonna take the keys back after this one this ain't happening um yeah, but this was this was really great. And this was the episode, if I'm not mistaken, that we get Daniels and a glimpse of the future where we see Enterprise the most, J. The most futuristic enterprise we've had to date, which is the Enterprise J from the twenty sixth century. If I remember correctly, I remember the time frame? Yeah, I think it's the 29th. 29th. Yeah, there we go. That's right. That's his time frame. Um 
But, no, I take it back. Oh, no, no, no. It's... All right. Yeah, click on the link. Click on the link. Because, again, I say the most futuristic enterprise. We've not seen an enterprise in 30 seconds. 26, yeah, 26. Yeah, 26. So this is, this is the latest enterprise that we see, unless I'm absolutely not remembering that, nope, that we see one in Discovery. Because we haven't. Um, Discovery has not revealed their enterprise. Yeah. They're unlikely to, in my yeah. so humble opinion. Right. But this was this was pretty great. So yeah, we see the the Enterprise J, which Archer is on, but even to see the graphs of it, it has a translucent hull that you see, you know, green space inside of it and just all it's kinds of bigger on the inside. It's yeah, it's 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 bigger than apparently when they show graphs of it, you can fit all the other enterprises inside of it. That's how big it oh, it's is. It's massive. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's really pretty cool. So yeah, this is this is this is pretty spectacular. So I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed this. And again, awesome cliffhanger. Back in you know the days where we really had cliffhangers, you know, week to week. week and- yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and again, we're doing we we do that obviously with streaming content now with Star Trek. Anyway, we do have to wait a week uh, to do it. But yeah, the stakes were really high. Like, you know, are people going to die, or we've already lost so many of you know the background characters? You know, what else is going to happen? So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, this was great. It was a great. It's a great way to cap off uh, this segment, and we're getting ever closer. Um, to the finale. So, well, cool. All right. So, uh, as we always do when we do one of these segments, uh, let's pick a favorite and let's pick a least favorite. I think it's going to be easy, at least for me, but you go first. Fa- uh, um, le- le- uh, least favorite episode. Uh, least favorite episode is probably Doctor's Orders. Uh, Same. Like, no hate on Billingsley or Dawson. You did yeah. your job, but it's just not a. It was a, it was it was a, it, it was, was recycled script. Yeah, it was a, it. it was a redone script. Eh, yeah, it wasn't that interesting. Can't do. It's much got good it. moments. It's got Porthos, but it's yeah. just not great. Oh, Porthos! I know. All right, how about a favorite? Hmm. That's um, some good ones here. There's there's like three that I really like here. That can Prime only be one. Yeah. Uh, I love Azadi Prime. Um, ah, it, yeah, it's it's difficult here. Yeah. Uh, I hear you. I think I'm going to go with Proving Ground. Okay. Um, simply because of Shran. Oh, God. Jeff Combs is he's uh, the best. He's the best. No, I look look forward to seeing him in Vegas. He was just a not that I think we're pals, but I, I I've enjoyed the time I spent with him so far. He's just truly as a human being, he's a nice guy. So um, again, doctor's orders totally useless as we've already said. I'm gonna go with Harbinger um, because again we had kind of a cool threefold. We had a great sci-fi story uh, with the Sphere Builder. Um, we had the dick swinging contest that was Reed versus. Um, uh, Major Hayes and their great fight, just beating the shit out of each other. It was kind of fun. And then you had the um, you had the very real um, human aspect of jealousy of the love triangle between Cole and Trip and to Paul. And then you got to see her butt, which you know what I got to tell you, I didn't really have a problem with that. And I know they subsequently edited it in syndication, but I watched it when it was on. Thank you very much, UPN. I appreciate it. <laughs> It is probably on the DVD, um, but I but I watched it on uh, yeah I watched it on Paramount Plus so I'm not sure, um, but yeah that was um that was that's my that's my take so cool all right well that wraps up the show we've had a great one um, again one more time we're going to be taking a little hiatus um, because a bunch of us are going to be in Las Vegas we're not going to have a chance to um, 
to record again. When we come back, we're going to be covering episodes seven and eight uh, of Strange New Worlds, even though nine and ten will have aired. We're going to stretch that out a little bit because then we'll segue right into once we get to September into talking about Lower Decks. So I'm very excited. But Peter and I will be wrapping up uh, talking about Enterprise Season 3, and then we'll be moving into Next Generation Season 4, which I'm very excited about, and that'll probably give us a chance to bring in not just Peter and I, just because uh, while Kay is very kind of anti-Enterprise, I know she loves TNG, so we should have a little bit more mixture. TNG is what's, what's, what's not to love. It's, it's, it's very much universal. So, Peter, uh, I know that you're a little shy in the social media, but if people want to connect with you, where do they check you if out? If you want to find me, I'm at Petrus Aquinas, as I say. You can find me. I just don't do a lot. <laughs> That's a place to start. And as always, you can find me over on Twitter or X if you prefer. I'm at the C3. Go ahead and spell it out. Peter, myself, my lovely wife, April K, and Missy are part of the USS Grand Petoskey. That is one of the largest chapters of Starfleet, the international Star Trek fan club. We are based here in West Michigan, but I am actually the regional coordinator of Region 13, which includes Michigan and Eastern Canada. If you're a trekker within the sound of my voice and would like to connect with other trekkers in your neck of the woods, find us uh, on socials, Grand Petoskey, or on a website of that same name, and we can help you out. So I'll say goodbye. Friends, as always, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking. Peace and long life. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server. Or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.